0: the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. And we're in the series of uh, Revelation and uh, we're into week number four. And it's been an exciting thing to uncover for perhaps Mark and I. We've sort of done probably a lot of reading and, and research, and it's really opened our eyes and our, and our ears to the Holy Spirit, I hope. And uh, so, look, we're just going to tear into it right now. Hebrews 12:29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. And the sermon's title today is God Remembers. God Remembers. And uh, we're going to look at this fact that he is a consuming fire. My dad was a bit scary, if you disobeyed. (laughs) But not when you simply made a mistake. He was awesome. But with one stern look over the dinner table, we knew... We weren't going anywhere until them veggies were all eaten and our mother was thanked for the meal. (laughs) One day in Sunday school, which he led, he stopped a prayer mid-sentence and said, excuse me Lord, walked to the front row to apply a bit of discipline to a boy who was disrespecting God, then proceeded back to the front and on with the prayer. My dad feared God and loved people. And my guess is that that boy never forgot that incident, and he learned to respect and maybe even to love God that day. In contrast to that, I was uh, waiting for someone at the mobile station one day, and I happened to notice a, a fairly late model car pull in, and a father and had a father and a little child in the back, and And the the guy gets out, fills the the tank, opens the door and says, now you stay here, and goes off to pay for the petrol. Well, within seconds, the little fellow was out that door and followed his dad into the shop. And a few minutes later, they both appear, carrying large ice creams. He gets the young fellow in the back, and as they're doing the seat belt, the ice cream flips off onto their lovely upholstery. He went ballistic! at ruining the precious car. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Bad behavior was rewarded with an ice cream. Disobedience was rewarded. And childish irresponsibility, he got the bash. Not like our God. God is love. And God is light, we're told in the New Testament. But there's a third God is... In the New Testament, God is a consuming fire. Fire throughout Scripture speaks of judgment. And although much of Revelation reveals the holiness of God, it also deals with that final judgment of unconfessed sin. Sin, to remind us all, is falling short of God's standard. And for those who fall short, there is judgment. Sadly, that's all of us. We have all sinned, for all have sinned. And we all should face judgment for our sin and pay the price for it, which God says is death. And that would be justice because he made us. But it would also make for a very depressing end to the biblical narrative that wraps up in Revelation. Praise God for salvation. Amen? Through Jesus, this thread, the thread of salvation, of hope, runs from Genesis to Revelation, and it is completely based on God's character and nature and the fact that God is also merciful and kind. God remembers and honors his promises, and he is the ultimate father firm, kind, and fair. Let's open our words to Revelation chapter 15. We're in Revelation 15 today, and we're going to read the entire chapter. If you've got your Bibles, it'd be great, but it will be up on the screen. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God. The Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Will, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Verse 5 After these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. sashes. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. This chapter is set in heaven. While the earth's in the grip of the Antichrist rule, and there is fear, control, death to any who would stand up to the evil governance of the nations, heaven is calm full of light, worship and peace. Jesus is Lord and God is on the throne, unchanging, holy, and waiting patiently to deal with evil once and for all. He's got this. It's all part of the plan. But just to recap, Some of the chapters we've missed out along in this series. Let's quickly summarise chapters 6 to 16. (laughs) Whoa. First we read of seals in chapter um, 6, namely military aggression, bloodshed, disease, persecution and prayer, tremor and terror, and finally silence in heaven and a severe earthquake. Next, we read about trumpets in chapters 8 and 9, scorched earth, contaminated water, reduced sunlight, insects and plagues, oriental invasion, and the coming kingdom of Christ, along with a violent earthquake. Finally, bowls in chapter 16, boils on the skin, blood in the sea, blood in the springs, burning by the sun, Darkness, Armageddon, hailstorm, and yes, a violent earthquake. When we lay out the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls in this way, several things become apparent. Firstly, some troubles are man-made and are happening now. Some are dramatic environmental changes or extra-environmental changes that the angels herald in. And some troubles are poured out by the angels in response to man's choices, Satan's reign on earth, and man's reluctance to repent. Secondly, we note that things seem to escalate or get worse towards number seven in each of the, of the seven troubles. And thirdly, number seven in each of the sets of seven the three sets of seven, seem to speak of the same event. They all end with a violent earthquake and the final judgment. So we can see that perhaps there's a gap between six and seven until all of those troubles reach number seven, and it's the same event. Last week, Mark unpacked chapter 12, which didn't really fit with the chapters before or after, and so we have these diversions and interruptions to the flow of of revelation, like the woman in chapter 12, the beast in chapter 13, and today this little window into heaven in chapter 15. We have these interruptions, but all along there's these troubles happening on the earth. A sequence of seals and trumpets and bowls. Hey, let's say it's a bit tricky <laughs> to understand, but it all points to a final showdown between good and evil, where Christ wins out, hallelujah, and establishes his, his thousand-year rule on earth. Having, having summarized it like that, I don't mean to in any way dismiss the horror of events that lead up to this final judgment, or to trivialize the persecution that may well come to those who refuse to bow down to the beast. But today I would like to focus in on God's faithfulness to those who truly repent, turn from sin, and follow Jesus, who's often referred to in Revelation as the Lamb. So let's unpack this chapter. If we turn to Revelation 15 verses 1 and 2, here we get this picture of heaven. We've got this sort of sense that wrath is being restrained until the final set of troubles. And it's just like this little pause, it's push pause in the whole sort of event of things to acknowledge those who had been victorious over the beast, and these are the martyrs. And they are in heaven and are in fact now in the wonderful presence of the Almighty God and of Jesus. In John's vision, they are standing by a sea of glass, glowing with fire. The fire would indicate that in fact judgment was yet to come for those not in Christ. As I said, fire is normally a representative of judgment. This chapter is like the calm before the storm before yet another six bowls are poured out on the earth, the seventh coinciding with the seals and the trumpets, number sevens. The martyrs are now free of pain, suffering and fear, but there isn't a single word on their lips about their own victory or their own achievement. They're actually singing songs. And they sing two songs. In verse 3, they sing the song of Moses and a song which they alone could learn, it says. And if we want to look back to chapter 14, verse 3, we see about that song in there. You know, this, this song that they only could learn, to me, that speaks of a developing intimacy with Jesus while on earth. That it only came with time alone with Jesus, and this is what we can be encouraged by today. It, it was it was wrought out of testing by trial, and by seeking out opportunities to feed their soul and to learn and learn the ways of God while on earth. And that produced their song that only they could sing to the Lord. It was their experience, their personal journey of faith. Getting back to my dad, one night when I was about 14, I think, I was going off to a little youth event, which was quite cool, we thought it would be. And um, we were gathering the sheep, ready for shearing, and I left a latch off. And a gate swung open at about the time I was about to head off. And two mobs got completely mixed up. And as I said, my dad was, um, was quite good when we made a mistake. He never, never growled when we, it was a genuine mistake. And I said, oh, look, I'm really, really sorry. I'll, I'll stay and I'll, I won't go to the thing tonight. I'll, I'll help you get them all drafted back up. He said, no, you go. You need to be at that thing tonight. And he, at personal expense of time, sorted all the sheep out. Still, still etched in my mind, these little images of fatherhood. God is that father who wants our story to be personal, to, to actually push us forward and say, yeah, you need this. And he encourages us and feeds our soul while we're around. The second song they sang is the song of Moses. And it's all scripture from the Old Testament. And if you're a note taker, then they're mostly from the book of Psalms, and I'll read out the Psalms if you want to look them up. From Psalms 86, 92, 98, 111, 139, and 145. Snippets from all of those Psalms are in this prayer of Moses. And 1 Samuel 2 verse 2. I'll say them again. Psalm 86, 92... 98, 111, 139, 145, and 1 Samuel 2, verse 2. And these all form the song of Moses. And these are a song of pure praise. And these martyrs are now free to worship fully. But all the praise is directed to the Lord. R.H. Charles is quoted as saying, Heaven is a place where men forget themselves, forget their own achievements, And remember only God. The atmosphere of heaven is encouragement. And it's an encouragement to those of us who are reading it, who are still in the battle. But as with most things in God, he gives us a glimpse or a snippet of what's to come. You know, faith makes God's promises a reality if we earnestly seek him. We've got to grab hold of those things, pull them into today. Pull them into our experience right now. David, the great man of praise, he really stretched forward and brought new covenant praise into the old covenant. In Jesus, we can bring the atmosphere of praise into our lives now. In John's vision, however, this is not the end of judgment for the inhabitants of earth. Let's go to verse number five. If you've got got your Bible there. Here we gain this picture of the seven angels coming out of the tent of witness with the bowls. Some versions say the tabernacle of the covenant law. This is a reference to the tabernacle in the wilderness where the law was kept when God's people were on the move. They had to be sort of living so that they could move on when God said so. They had the tent of meeting in this tent of the tabernacle. The thing of greatest significance in this tent of the tabernacle was the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant containing the Ten Commandments. The angels are therefore coming out of this, temper, this type of tabernacle, the law. This is where they're coming from, to demonstrate that no one can escape the law. Of God, and no one can escape God's judgment because even without the law, God has made his ways known to mankind. In Romans 1, verses 18 to 20, it says, Even those who do not know the law, by the sheer creation, we are told of the things of God. God has kept his side of the covenant with Israel. And with us Gentiles, by sending Jesus from the line of David, who is King of Kings forever. See, God remembers the promise to always have a king on the throne of Israel, of Judah. And that king now is Jesus. God remembers, and He's kept every promise. He's even shown His great kindness by grafting us Gentile believers. In to the promise of salvation sent originally to Israel. He will never leave us or forsake us. Another promise. And this one promise should alone should motivate us to serve him now and obey his commandments. Those who throw off everything that hinders them and the sin that so easily entangles them will run their race with endurance and will see him face to face. This is encouragement for us now. Of course, we cannot even begin this personal journey until we are born again by the Spirit. This is the single most significant turning point for every living soul. I'll say that again. This is the single most significant turning point for every living soul. Salvation. To bow the knee to Jesus and to no one else will be the final test before the judgment seat of God. In the end, all else we do in this life will be judged by what we did with Jesus. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. We could never fulfill the law, but he did, and we're in him now you see we would face the full wrath of God if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus covering us the angels who came out of this tabernacle were dressed in priestly clothes the priestly clothes were pure white garments full length with a gold sash that was the that was the the dress of the high priest. So what this revelation shows us is that the the angels were symbolically representing the high priest, you see. Unless Jesus is our high priest, we will come under judgment. Jesus came that we might pass from death to life. We found that, and we find that in Romans 5.9, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Amen. So this chapter is really all about repentance before the judgment of God applies to us. It's about repentance before the judgment of God applies to us. The wrath of God poured out in these seven bowls was to bring people to repentance. That's the heart of God, to bring us to repentance, not to pour out all this. But he's got to treat sin with, the, with the, what it deserves. Without a final judgment, without a judgment on the earth, salvation has no value. Without a final judgment, God's character would be compromised. His character of holiness, truth, and justice would be compromised if, in fact, he said, ah, we'll just leave it in, eh? The closing verses in this chapter speak of the temple being filled with smoke. This lines up with Paul's teaching on the veil. This side of eternity, we're sort of somewhat veiled to the fullness of God's glory. We don't know what it's going to be really like, but we know it's going to be great. But we'll be great (laughs) when we get there. The smoke indicates that this fullness could not be fully achieved until the bowls of the judgment are poured out. One thing's for sure, there is just so much more to discover and marvel at in our walk with Jesus. The more time we spend with him, And I want to challenge us all today, including me, have we turned 180 degrees from our sin? Have we done a U-turn, repented, said, God, I don't want to do that anymore? Have you bowed the knee to him? Do you know that you know that he's your Lord and Savior? It's so important before the final judgment. So just to recap, after the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, there is a final judgment. Without it, salvation through Jesus has no value, and God would not be true to his word. For those of us living now, Revelation 15 is a great encouragement to persevere, to overcome, and to stay true to Jesus. We are each given our own song of worship with him, and however difficult life gets... We are not to bow down to anyone but Christ. If, our love, if we love our life, we will lose it, Matthew says. But if we lose our life for his sake, we will live. John even puts it a little firmer. John 12:25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That reading in Matthew is Matthew 16, 25. God remembers every promise. He will not let us down. He will fulfill every promise and prophecy before he finally is king of kings forever. Let's pray. I just want to thank you, Lord, for salvation. What a gift. What an amazing gift, Lord. Not only do you save our soul for eternity, you save our life for this life from all the, all the loneliness and despair and fear of living alone. Lord, we just pray you would walk and talk with us, that you will never, ever leave us. We pray, Lord, that would be the case for everyone here. We, Lord, we just ask that you'd bring this word to life for us, that we'd read it again and again and just say, we want to be one of those that worship you with our own song. We want to be those who worship you for who you are. Say real good praise to you, great praise. Give them a good amen. Let's give the Lord a good amen. Amen and amen. Amen. We just thought this would sort of uh, segue really well into communion as we think about these things and his blood and his you know atonement all these words that there's so such a depth of meaning so as we come now to this table set before us doesn't it have a lot of depth to it would the would the servers like to come forward and perhaps remove the the veil <laughs> Thanks, Ernie and Pauline. That's great. Doesn't this meal have such a significance now that we've seen about this final judgment? It's just layers of truth within this simple meal. And I'd like you all to, I'd like to invite you all to this table. Whether you love the Lord a lot or you just love Him a little. Come if you're weary, you're worn out. Come if you feel unworthy, yeah, be seated. Come to rest in Him today. I'd really encourage us to think of these words rest, comfort, new life. Come to receive the new life He's bringing us day after day. The Holy Spirit and his angels surround us as we come to this meal and i really pray that the holy spirit would be speaking to those today and i especially felt to say this to those who have lost kids who don't know the lord i really believe the holy spirit speaking through this meal to you to faithfully hold on to the promises of god to pray for them this meal has its foundation in the Passover. We spoke about the people of uh, Israel on the move through the desert, but much before that they had to get out of Egypt. They had to get out of this sort of bondage. And this is such a picture of salvation when they come across uh, the Red Sea. But to get there, they had to put the blood over the doorposts. And it had to be the perfect Blood of a perfect lamb. It couldn't be the runty one. had to be a really good one. Perfect one. And the angel passed over their house and didn't take their first child. Whole families were saved. Let's believe for that. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Without the obedience to face the cross, we would all be judged. Guilty and we would face the wrath of God in his judgment he's a great dad he stepped in and he said I'll fulfill the legal payment and a requirement for sin I'll die as you I'll die for you and I'll die as you he did it for us as Ernie's often said to me that man took my place let's just read from a Matthew 26, the actual account of this meal, the Lord's Supper, we you know it as, or Communion, and we know it was an intimate time with the disciples. That despite the anguish that must have been on Christ's heart, he didn't let that overwhelm him. In order to teach them something, here in 26, while they were eating. Jesus took some bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And when he had eaten, or when he had taken the cup, he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What a promise. We're joined to Christ through his blood on the cross and our willingness to obey and be part of this meal. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the symbols and the meanings that you put behind things and into things, especially the bread that represents your body and the blood that re- the, the wine that represents your blood. And Lord, we just thank you for these simple things that have been prepared beautifully today. Bless them to our body, we pray. But more than that that our soul would leap leap for joy as we commune with you. We have this intimate connection with you as we just come and bow, as it were, our hearts and our, our spirits to you. Thank you, Lord. We say it again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.